0: Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? And you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself, personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas.
1: Welcome to episode 18. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and you're listening to the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu Jitsu. Live Jiu Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free Jiu Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org. It's www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, David George. Dave is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, a serial entrepreneur and inventor with a passion for innovation in the field of neuroscience and physical rehabilitation. He is the CEO of ProloGel, a topical gel used for pain and inflammation that utilize a unique mechanism that targets nerves. David is also the co-founder and VP of product development for Nocera. David hosts two podcasts of his own called Hero Science and Functional Challenge. He is a proud father of three children, and if all that is not enough, he still manages to compete in BJJ as well. David's accomplishments are truly inspiring, and his mantra is innovation. The optimist's response to challenge proves that all life's challenges can be overcome with meaningful and action-based thoughts. David, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you, Gustavo. It's, it's It's a real pleasure to be here.
1: For people who don't know, David is a purple belt at GD Jiu-Jitsu Academy. A personal friend, and I've been in his podcast as well, The Hero Science. So if you have a chance to, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, please take a look. And great interview. That was actually my latest interview. And let me ask you this: How did BJJ show up in your life?
2: Well, um, so jiu-jitsu showed up in my adult life. I mean, I was involved in martial arts since I was five years old. Uh, I started off in Shotokan Karate. Uh, I grew up in South Africa, as you can tell from my accent, I'm South African. Um, And uh, it was either at that stage it was judo or karate. And uh, I guess my mom decided that I needed to toughen up as a kid (laughs) and and, and shipped me off to a a very well-known guy in the world of karate by the name of Stan Schmidt to his school in Johannesburg. And I did that for a while. And then transitioned over to judo. Uh, and then in my adult life, um my early 30s, I got exposed to jujitsu. Uh, Actually in Arizona where I eventually moved to uh, at a school called the Lions Den which was an MMA school and they had Muay Thai Which I love I'm actually a I'm actually an official for the United States Muay Thai Association as a referee and I love Muay Thai But when I got exposed to jiu-jitsu I felt that this was something I was instantly hooked and something that I could see myself doing for uh, The rest of my life and really just just love it
1: cool and how BJJ relates to life
2: how it relates to my life. Oh, in so many ways. Uh, f- first of all, I just like the, the idea. It's almost, it's almost like a monastery in a way, you know, where as soon as you put on the gi, everyone's at the same mm-hmm. rank. You know, the only differentiation between us is the rank that matters is by our belts. And we, we earn that and we all earn it in the same way. Um, and I believe that, that in jujitsu, jitsu the rank is authentic. You know, it's like when someone's a purple belt, they're a purple belt. When they're a Mm -hmm. brown belt, they're a brown belt. You know, it's more so than any of the other martial arts I was exposed to. But in life, I think the number one lesson for me has been without a doubt that, you know, it's, it's not the achievement. It's not the, it's not the win that makes it. It's not the Mm -hmm. single moments that make it. It's the, it's the challenge. It's the struggle. It's the grind that's where the enjoyment is that's that's where the real value is you know I, i've been prone in my life to this idea of this terminal mentality or this greener pastures where okay if i just get through this then i'm gonna get that and that's gonna be happiness if i just get over this hill that's the next thing but just like jujitsu, jitsu i think life is that way where it's you know what it's the turning up every day and it's the being in practice and it's the grind the being uncomfortable uh, more i mean i i spend most of my time in jiu-jitsu, more uncomfortable than not, and, and, and uh, probably a product of my rank and lack of experience and lack of skill. But uh, but it's that it's it's the grind that makes up the the real value,
1: the process, huh? absolutely. And when did you have the spark to pursue entrepreneurship?
2: Um, you know I, I think it's a matter of uh, necessity and uh, realization that kind of it suited my personality um, mm-hmm. you know I, I was in clinical practice for a while um, you know seeing patients every day, you know day to day and turning up at nine o'clock and or eight o'clock actually and you know leaving at five or six or seven o'clock in the evening and um, it it just it, it's a certain type of discipline that I admire a lot of people for having when their passion is there but for me that wasn't there I, I felt that uh, where my real passion was, it was in learning things, and turning the things that I learned into something new to improve on something, and then sharing that with other people. That's the process that brought me the most joy. Was was learning something and sharing what I'd learned with others, and hopefully turning what I'd learned into something new, leaving something better than the way I'd found it. And unfortunately, when I, you know in a regular job, I, I didn't find that. So I found that by owning businesses and. Finding problems to solve, I without a doubt found my most enjoyment, you know.
1: And how was the mindset back then when you decided to go to this route, the entrepreneurial route? And I don't know which one was your first, let's say, project, but how was the mindset back then? Because I always like to mention to people who are listening, we have a lot of people, Dave, who are in transition. You know, they're yeah. at one point they're like, you hey, they're in a job. They're like, Man, I don't I don't think this is for me. But they do have a lot of doubts and and fears and it's Completely understandable. So, how was the mindset back then? You know, when I
2: transitioned from the call of, call of the nine to five um, world into owning my own businesses, the first was a, was I had was a neurodiagnostic company that provided uh, diagnostic services to, to for surgery to hospitals. Um, it was more a matter of necessity, I think. You know, it was it was just realizing that. Listen, I don't accept where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's something more for me. Um, And I'm just going to push and just use what talents I have and what I know to just drive in a direction and just, I guess, have faith in a sense that it will lead me to where I want to go. Um, And just, it was just a drive, I think it was a mixture of survival uh, Mm -hmm. and and this urge to create something different for myself, you know, the urge that there's something else there for me, you know?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great combination. You know, having that intrinsic motivation—that you know that that's what he, you wanted to become an entrepreneur—you know that it had that, and of course, the necessity. Nothing beats that. You know, when you know, like, man, I got no option but to grind. That's the best motivation that we can get. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. what do you feel that nowadays, with how long, how long you've been an entrepreneur now?
2: Man, well, I guess you know, you know, to start, I. It's almost like you know. You say that term, and it's almost like it's still. I, I almost have imposter syndrome, even in the most basic sense. And that, when someone says, "When I have to say, well, I guess I'm an entrepreneur," you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's. I still don't feel like I'm that. You know, I feel like I'm just a guy like figuring things out. And,
1: I understand, and, doing, completely. And,
2: and and doing things, but um, I guess you know, if I were to say, you know, how long I've been doing what I've been doing, it's been probably about twelve years, twelve, you know, twelve or fourteen years, something like that.
1: So when you look back and you see a lot of people that want to go to this route, entrepreneurships, you know, getting that, a lot of attention. And I feel that a lot of people, sometimes they see people doing things with social media and they like, I want to do that too. And they're very (laughs) impatient. But what would you say that it's something that people are struggling with? New entrepreneurs, people who are in transition, where, what do you feel that, you know, they're struggling now?
2: Well, I think the number one thing is, um, you know, honesty. You know, is this isn't this isn't this this path of kind of doing your own thing and doing your own businesses and building startups and building companies it's not? It's absolutely not for everybody. I mean, there's trade-offs. Um, nice. You know, it's it's the 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 number one thing that I can say is that it's a bumpy road. What one of the best pieces of advice that I got, you know, um, you know, in this process was we were working with an engineering company, this engineering company that we were working with in one of my more recent projects said you know a lot of people that come to us say to us you know they come to us to smooth out the bumpy road they find themselves in a bumpy road in their project and they're coming to us to smooth this bumpy road out but what they don't realize is that 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 medical technology development is a bumpy road (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. the process you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so so and i think that applies to entrepreneurship in my experience is that you know don't try and smooth it out you know, it's just like the jujitsu lesson that you just mentioned is, you know, don't try and smooth that experience out. There's no easy way. It's, it's going to be bumpy, but realize that you're where you want to be by choice. Yes. And a lot of people don't get to be there, you know, embrace that, embrace that, that, that process. But it's, you know, it's more than just a process, you know, with people have I've heard that before, but I had to kind of live that to go through these extreme ups and downs and to realize that, you know what, there's, there's lessons and there's just so much value in it if you don't try and fight it. And there's actually a neuroscience aspect to that is that is that in the brain, um, I've come to learn, um, um, and there's this this actually circuitry associated with this is is that in the brain and in in psychology is that when we try and wrestle with these emotions, these uncomfortable feelings of doubt Mm -hmm. and fear and uncertainty, the more we try and wrestle with them to make them comfortable, the more they're amplified. And their, mm. their ability to disrupt us and disrupt our enjoyment and disrupt our peace become more amplified the more we try and wrestle them. The alternative to that is to realize that in those moments where there are these ups and downs is that there are these extremes in emotions and there are these extremes in discomfort, but they're only part of the picture. From yeah. a certain perspective, yes, there are those emotions and those doubts and those fears but there's also a whole bunch of other great stuff going on in those moments. And and if we can take that perspective to realize that, that that yes, along with the doubts and the fears and whatever bumps we happen to come into, yes, those are there. Let's not deny the truth. You know, let's be honest, let's fa- face the truth, but there's also a whole bunch of other great things going on. For example, you're getting to do what you, you like to do. Mm-hmm. You're, you're following your passion. You're, you're innovating and you're, you, you know, you you're in that process. And, and there's a lot typically when, when one takes a certain perspective to appreciate in that moment, you know?
1: One of the things that I'd like to share with the listeners too, it's a good advice that I have. Matter of fact, written right in front of me from my high performance coach, Brandon Bouchard. He he always mentioned about honor the struggle. Mm. You know, you have to honor it, dude. You know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would pursue goals and dreams, but Mm. it's not. And I see a lot of people. I think, lacking patience, too. Mm-hmm. You know, they want the now. Mm-hmm. And, dude, you know, you have to honor that struggle. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah and, it, and that str- struggle often takes you to a place that you don't expect and you didn't anticipate. I mean, how many times do we think back and go, man, am I glad I didn't get what I wanted back then? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and what took you in that different direction to what you got that was good for you was that process and that struggle. So, absolutely, I agree with that. I yeah. can see the truth in that.
1: So, what do you feel that is your worst entrepreneurial experience, and what did you learn from it?
2: easy. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, e- easy. It was a brutal experience. I think uh, my worst entrepreneurial experience came from um, – uh, it, it's a tough one to admit. It's it's a tough one to admit. It really is. But for me, it was – in my experience, I'm not saying this is for everybody. I don't know if this will apply to everybody, but in my experience, it was – Um taking on the wrong people in projects early on. And, um, in in my experience, I took on the wrong people, put them on the ship too early. Um, quite frankly, and this is tough to admit as well, is it came from my own self doubt. It came from a lot of it was driven by my own doubt in myself, um, to, to go it alone and to go and to jump into the uncertainty and the doubt. Um, and I took on, um, let's call it partners in, in certain projects that um, came back to bite. They were the wrong people. You know, I would just advise, you know, just if I were to go back and talk to myself in those times was, you know, is just be aware of who's bringing value and who's doing what in those projects. There needs to be a definitive value. If you bring in a team, each member of their team needs to bring a value you know, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and that needs to be clearly defined. Um, for me, that wasn't the case. There was a, there, I, I brought in partners in one particular project in particular, but I think I've done that more than once um, that didn't bring that value um, and uh, came back to buy. So mine, that was one one particular mistake that, that definitely came back to buy.
1: But the thing too, Dave, is that, man, if someone may be starting right now in this mm. journey, mm. maybe they won't relate yet. Mm. Because if they've been around longer, they will relate the same way I do. I made, man, God knows how many bad choices in staff, (laughs) partnership, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's now, again, as I mentioned, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. Right. Because sometimes people, they can have one bad experience, two, and then suddenly the two becomes, every time I partner up with someone... This right. happened, da, 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 and then they end up dropping out and, and not doing. And it's something that I made a mistake. Fa- felt like right on my face on the ground, and and, and again and again. I was like, "Oh, I got a little better." Whoop, again, <laughs> yeah. And once, and once in a while, it's it's gonna happen.
2: You're also not immune to making the same mistake twice. I see.
1: <laughs> it, it, it happens sometimes. You think, you know, you think that like, it looks like this way, but it's not, and. Right. And that's fine. And now I'm completely at peace that I definitely don't dwell. And this is one of my suggestions and advice to people, especially who's starting. We're going to make mistakes and try not to dwell. Yeah, we're going to be upset. or Like, oh, my God, what I did. But I'm always at peace. I don't regret any of anything that I've done because and Mm -hmm. we did the best we could with the emotional maturity that we had at that moment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you had more experience, you would have done it different. But we didn't know we had to go through that journey those mistakes to be where we at today and that's the same thing for all the listeners when you look back you can you can't regret you know you, yeah. if you knew better you're done better it's like the same in, in jiu-jitsu sometimes you you compete in a tournament and then six months later you learn a new move like oh my god i wish i knew that move back then or in you know i mean like well, well, be ready because you're always going to have stuff that you're going to learn along the way. You wish you knew, but you did the best you could with what you knew. So what would you say is a one high-performance habit that helps you in progress in jiu-jitsu and business and life?
2: Well, in jiu-jitsu, I, I, I feel uh, remarkably uh, underpowered in this interview in the sense that you've had some giants on on your on your podcast. And I'm still early in my, in my jiu-jitsu career. I think... For me, it would be this idea of going back to basics. Um, you know, not being afraid to go back to basics. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be probably my jujitsu lesson. Um, and um, in entrepreneurship, the the one thing for me again would would probably come back to that that idea of um, I guess it applies to jujitsu too. It's just that you know embracing that 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 moment and, and realizing that. You know what you have in that moment is precious. You know, if if you're acting in alignment with your values, if if you're acting um, uh, in alignment, and this is a habit actually, is realizing is. when 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 you're taking when you're taking action is this is not just you doing something how does this relate to what your real values are? Those those unattainable, they're not really goals, they're these unattainable things that are always in front of you that guide your actions, that are really deep in your soul, what you really want to do and who the person you want to be. If you're doing something, anything that acts in accordance with that, um, you know, the, the wind is at your back. And that's true in neuroscience and in brain, which is obviously my field as well, is that there's certain areas of the brain that that when you're acting in accordance with your values, there's this cascade of of uh, activity in the brain that that just brings about well-being and it brings about focus and it brings about happiness. So, um, you know, for me, that's the the one habit. And I'll tell you one thing that's helped me with that was I got some advice from a guy one time who told me to. Uh, to put some things on my phone. He said, pick your three biggest values and put them <laughs> on your phone. I had them ring up and it was a guy named Gustavo Dantas and we shared it with everybody. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's, that's probably one of my, you, you gave me that advice some time ago. and Man, was that great advice. I was pick my three biggest values and I do that I they pop up on my phone I, sometimes I'm walking into jujitsu class sometimes I'm going to meetings sometimes I'm about to do a phone call but having those values pop up those three main ones those three top ones of mine and I'll share those with you mine are you know innovation their 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 leadership and connection mm-hmm. uh, and they, they they pop up on my phone all the time how are you innovating how are you acting like a leader and how are you connecting with those people that you care about those pop up all the time and it was great advice that you gave me about a year ago I think and that's actually been great. That's really been great.
1: Awesome, dude! It's what do you. I want people to understand, and you know, the listeners not to underestimate what you said about the values. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. a lot of people never. At one point, I never maybe actually sat down and put thought into what are my values and write it down. What do I really want? And I. It's important for people not to underestimate that. I think by. I don't know. I can't say that uh, it's by accident, but I I feel that I I realized that my number one value in my life. I was twelve years old. I was talking to my mom about two weeks two weeks ago about this. Mm. She had a I had a stepdad that was a very toxic relationship for about six seven years with with her, mm. and he was insane. He was insane, and uh, I remember that I was twelve and I couldn't do anything. I was always grounded. I was I couldn't do anything. Right. And I just got in my head that one day, I think if I have to say, that's when I told my mom, if he was good for something, he was good for that. He put a seed in my mind that I do not want to work for others. I do not. I want to have my freedom. That's all I want. And from that point on, every choice that I made, I know that uh, I had to work in a lot of things and a lot of Uh, situations that I was not happy with it I didn't like but I knew in order for me to achieve the freedom my freedom of choice that I want to work with whatever I wanted or I had to get some some of the jobs then especially when I arrived here in the US I had to do what whatever I had to do to eventually so since 2006 I have to say that I only work with what I wanted the people that I want to and money Mm -hmm. never been a priority in my life, and is and now it's even less as I get older. So for the listeners, man, I don't care what your values are, but just the goal is to to do the the best you can to live in congruence with your values. Because if I wasn't a regular job, uh, nine to five, I would not be congruent to to my values. Again, I had to do what I had to do, uh, you know. But as Jim rom say, work full time in your living, part time in your dream, and one day with a lot of focus, discipline, and patience, you'd be able to turn this, you know, this dream to become the full time. And that's what I did. But always, even maybe I wasn't even completely aware. I don't know. It's not like I was studying personal development. I just knew I don't want people telling me what to do. You know, that was it. So that was my number one value. So my advice to the listeners, man, just go to Google about values, you know, they have lists of values, you know, plenty of them. Actually, in my book, um, Launching Your Jiu-Jitsu Journey After 30, I have two pages about that because when you're getting ready to compete, I want you to know about your values as well, what is important for you so you know even yeah. why you, you're competing.
2: Yeah. So so I'll I'll tell you, Gustavo, from my perspective, uh, why that's such great advice um, for, for a number of reasons. And, and I don't know if you're aware, I, I interviewed a guy named Stephen Hayes on my podcast who arguably is one of the top people in the field of psychology over the last hundred years. He's, he's a giant in that field of psychology. Uh, and he developed a a system of psychotherapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, which has been used for just all kinds of, uh, issues, depression, anxiety, and trauma and all kinds of things. He was, he's a real genius. The man is I'd look forward to talking to him. I feel, I I don't know how I landed him on my podcast, but Mm -hmm. the point is, is that in his system of psychotherapy, In those moments, and I'll just try and distill this down to a moment is in those moments where we are facing crises and this is his, this is how his system kind of works of Mm psychotherapies in its its essence is very Buddhist in its nature is to realize that when we're facing the hardest times in life is to come to that present moment uh, by whatever means possible to come to that present moment. And what, what guides us through those tough times and those uncomfortable feelings and those challenges that we face are our values, our values lead us out of those of those moments because that's that's the shining star that's the that's that's what that's what we follow is those values um and by not only does it guide our next action so for example we're facing this crisis we in this moment what do i do next well what are my values who am, who do i want to be who's the person that i want to be be that person now and act like that person would act and that's the direction out but actually the bonus of it is is it actually has a very calming effect on your nervous system as well it gives you perspective it opens up your your perspective and also has a very nice. calming effect on stress so you giving advice to competitors the genius in that is not only does it guide you know constructive action that's fulfilling and happy but actually it calms you down as well so it's it's because it, i mean the worst thing you can say to somebody when they're in a stressful situation is calm down calm down right you know? <laughs> yeah. it's like
1: i don't want to you know, calm down
2: <laughs> yeah exactly so
1: i know and uh, that knowing your values absolutely is going to help you to honor that struggle. me. So, what is the best advice you've ever received? You already mentioned a few advice that you received, but anything that stands out? Man, I've
2: got some from uh, some from from everywhere, but I think uh, I think what I've just described to you has been the most impactful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, was the the two aspects of realizing that the turbulence, instead of trying to avoid those uncomfortable feelings and avoid uncomfortable situations is realize that uncomfortable situations are life. That is where the most fulfilling part of life is, is that when we dive into those uncomfortable situations, the vast majority of the time, that's where our real fulfillment and that's where we really discover ourselves. So don't try and avoid it accept that and learn to operate in that environment um and and by the way i I don't mean to sound professorial or preaching that because it's extremely difficult you know for anybody and it's yeah still something that i'm learning how to do it's not that i've mastered that but i've but it is good advice and it's made those those times a lot more uh, tolerable and then also you know as we've been discussing those values you know
0: yeah
1: i feel that we already have a title for the podcast since honor the struggle (laughs) absolutely without a doubt because we're talking a, a lot about this, <laughs> and and it's true for everyone out there. Yeah, want to play in that field of entrepreneurship? Get used to with that. Yeah. So, what advice would you give to your younger self when you found that spark that you want to go to the entrepreneurial route? If you had a chance, just talk with with Dave real quick and say, Dave.
2: Well, you know, it's the same advice that I give my kids. I think there's multiple, but one of them, the primary one, would be kind of a different form of kind of what we've been talking about is. You know, I don't want to say don't be scared because that would be the message is don't be scared, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Believe me, that the experiences that you're going to have when you go overseas, the people that you're going to meet, you know, you're going to go through some hard times. You're going to lose some friends. You're going to lose some rest, but everything's going to work out. Don't be scared. Mm-hmm. But, but, but what I would do is rather than saying don't be scared, would I, what would be a little bit more constructive is something that the younger me could work with, and that is accept fear as part of the process. Fear is normal. And and understand understand fear in all of its forms and how it turns up, the resistance, the, the way that you make things more difficult than they should be because you're too scared to move forward, um, you know the 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 feeling that you get the, the perhaps at younger times where I would blame other people for for my own fears side. Mm-hmm. so it's to, it's to accept fear and to understand fear in all of its forms and then act anyway, uh, mm-hmm. don't don't let fear guide your actions.
1: Man, I wish. They taught personal development in schools. Oh, no You don't I mean, man? Why don't they? Even if it was just one subject, personal development, learning about that, learning about fear, emotions, man, that would be incredible.
2: Well, I think I think the role the role of teachers got distorted. You know, I mean, we've got this where there's this kind of formal teaching. I think a lot of a lot of people that are teaching kids, are, you know, have not um, have not gone through those. I think, but I mean, there are programs. There's friends of mine that are successful businessmen. Um, that, actually, um, that actually now take in students and um, you know, teach them these things. They, they realize there's a gap between what we learn at school and kind of the real world.
1: So what book would you recommend and why to the listeners?
2: You know, there's so, so many. I read, I read on such a variety of topics.
1: I would say, like, I, I like to ask you, like, what some of the books that made, you, made the most impact on you? The reason I say they made the most impact is sometimes it depends when, what moment in your life you're reading that book? I yeah. always mentioned the mind was psycho-cybernetics. At the moment that that hit me, the moment in my life was like, oh my god, that's what I needed. So sometimes it's a simple, but it's just the time that you that you actually read the book.
2: Yeah. So so there's two books that really made an impact. I'm kind of looking up. Um, um, uh, there was one one called. Um, I'm coming. Was one called negotiating? It was a negotiation book. A friend of mine who was in mergers and acquisitions for Coca-Cola, a really good friend of mine, I uh, recommended. It. It's called I think it's called negotiating for advantage. Um, and and basically, this was a book that they gave out to all of their you know top guys in that in that particular field that were in mergers and acquisitions. It was a process of negotiating. And the really cool thing about it was is that it divided. Um, and I'll tell you what I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you so you can put it in the notes from mm-hmm. this podcast yeah. so you can have it have it there. But um, it broke down negotiations into understanding the kind of person that you're negotiating with. And kind of what matters to them. So, for example, there was one style of negotiating where you used a person's standards. One one person that negotiated based on standards. So you'd use one of their previous standards, kind of in the negotiation, to bring them to a certain point. Other people would negotiate on values. There's different these different negotiating styles, and I think I've leaned on leaned on that quite a bit. That, that that will make quite a. I think it was called negotiating for advantage, and I'll send that to you. Another one was a was a book by a local guy here in Arizona by the name of Kaldini. It was a book. Called influence um, by a uh, by a professor at ASU actually called Caldini, and it was a collection of social experiments where, um, which basically was a bunch of social experiments on how people would uh, behave under certain circumstances. So, for example, this idea that um, if you get the, the basically like activating reciprocation, for example, was one social experiment. So the, the Hare Krishna, um, I guess the monks, that had these Hare, Hare Krishna monks do this. They give you a flower and because they give you a flower that triggers a sense of, oh, well, I've got to give you something back, so I'll give you, uh, you know, a donation or something. Mm-hmm. This was this act of reciprocation. And then also another example in that was a little experiment that they did on a beach where um, they, they had people on a beach and they said to somebody, some random stranger, hey, would you look after my stuff? while I'm, you know, while I walk away. Um, And they did this in two stages. The first stage, they didn't ask anybody. So they walked Mm -hmm. away from their towels and all the stuff on the beach and they set up somebody, these mock robbers to come and take away all Uh this stuff and steal it. And nobody did anything. But when they, when they got a commitment from somebody, Hey, would you mind please looking after my stuff? And when, once they got that commitment, they found that the vast majority of time people would feel that they, were committed to look after this person's stuff because they made that obligation. So it's a series of these very interesting social experiments that, um, help not only in negotiations, but they also reveal much about behavior, which I found fascinating. So there's a book called influence by Caldini.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. So what are you currently excited about? What's going on? Oh,
2: uh, no doubt. There's two, two projects. I'm very excited. Well, business wise, um, my company knows Sierra, um, which, uh, for those of you that aren't aware, this is a company that I co-founded, uh, about four or five years ago, and co-invented co- a, a medical device that's operated by your mobile phone. For the it's a non-invasive device for the treatment of migraine. Uh, migraine is, a, is the third most debilitating condition according to the World Health Organization, and all of the current drugs that are out there don't work very well. And our company believes that we've, we, we're in the process of developing a really good solution for that problem. Uh, we can't make any claims yet because we're not through the FDA, but we're in the process of going through our FDA trials, and that's a company called NoSera. Um, also a company, uh, one of my companies called Nova Neuro, which produces a product called Prologel. Mm-hmm. Um, and Prologel is a, a topical analgesic that deals with um, that deals with pain, basically, and something called neurogenic inflammation. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, all my companies are generally based around the concept of neuroscience. Neuroscience is my field. That's where I, I basically lecture in neuroscience and I take neuroscience applications of a brain and nerves and translate them into products. Um, so prolo Prolo gel, um, is a great product for pain and we're, we're already accelerating in that project. We're coming out with a new line of products. We've just been granted a series of patents by the U S patent office and our company we believe is taking off. So, um, those two projects without a doubt, very excited about those. The future is bright for both of those.
1: Awesome. And just to let the listeners know, getting to the end of the interview. So make sure that you stick around for my final thoughts and Dave, what? want to just leave a message to the entrepreneurs out there especially people in transition and how they can know more about you or Prologel, whatever you want to plug
2: <laughs> well thank you for that opportunity by the way on 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 a platform and i want to say first of all is that you know i I've enjoyed every one of the interviews that you've had on here. You've had some great guys. I mean, I really enjoyed the Origin uh, interview. That, that, that was that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it actually inspired me. So, um, you know, accepting that I'm in the company of giants here that have come before me and I feel mm-hmm. inadequate. Um, if you'd like to know more about my projects, um, I'm at uh, davidgeorge.tv. I have my projects listed there. Um, Nocira is just that N-O-C-I-R-A dot com We have our website right there And then Prologel I mean a lot of jiu-jitsu players Are out there This is something that you have The neurogenic inflammation Which is something that Prologel works with Is ubiquitous in the field of jiu-jitsu Because we we tend to be on our back And we're frictioning a lot of nerves And that can give us persistent back pain And nagging injuries That don't seem to heal And Prologel we believe is a great product That you might want to use In your armatorium for that And that's at Prologel dot com So that's P-R-O-L-O gel.com
1: Cool. And what message would you like to give to the entrepreneurs out there?
2: Man, you, uh, I, I know where you guys are. I respect you. I'd love to meet you someday. I'd love <laughs> to learn from you and if there's ways that I can help you, please let me know because I think that we're we, we, are a strange bunch. We've got something inside of us, all of us that we can't really explain that drives us mm-hmm. um, and uh, takes one to know one. Um, so I would just say, just keep, just, just keep driving forward and, and uh, believing in yourself and just don't let the ups and downs throw you off. You know, people will, it's a difficult path to walk. Um, you know what I mean? But I think ultimately it's, it's a path about truth we're facing ourselves every day. We have to look in the mirror all the time. And I think inevitably, I believe in myself that that's a positive process. And I believe, you know, you know, share just one story, if I can, just real quick. Of course. I interviewed somebody on my podcast on the topic of, on my hero science podcast on the, on the topic of burnout. And burnout is something that often, you know, often a lot of us find the entrepreneurial thing by this pressure of going, you know, what? this sucks. I'm in this job and I'm just burnt out. Mm-hmm. I'm, at the, I'm at my wits end. It's just, my life is not where I wanted it to be. And you know, you're at this point and that's not an uncommon point. You're not alone. Yeah. 50, 51% of doctors in the world who you think are making a ton of money and doing all that great, hate their jobs and wish that they were in something else. 60 or 70% of of nurses that are in the healthcare field don't want their job. They're looking for something else. They're burnt out. And that comes from, we can get into that some other day about all the factors that play into that. But this, you facing this point where you're not satisfied is not unusual and burnout is something that's real and it's something else there. But I will share this, just this one point and it relates to what I was just saying is that I was interviewing a guy, um, on my podcast, um, by the name of Daniel Gehring, who's a PhD, he's about to—he's about to blow up in the field. Um, and he and I have actually become quite good friends. And we were working on a project in burnout. One of my projects is called the Burn Through Project. This idea that burnout is not something to be avoided. There's something in there that, in that process that you push through, and there's a real discovery of yourself, and there's real fulfillment that's on the other side of that. Mm. Whether it's entrepreneurship or the rediscovery of yourself within your own profession, the idea is to go through, not trying to get around it you know not something to be avoided but here's the thing that he had with me which i found fascinating is he said to me that the one trait that they've looked at in the literature that consistently predicts one's resilience to burnout um, is trait optimism Um, if if someone is optimistic it's the number one trait that predicted somebody's resilience to burnout so this idea that you believe that there's a better day ahead if you truly believe, in, and, and he also states, and this is true, and this is something that we're working on, that is a trait that you can harness, is this belief that a better day is ahead, There's a better day around the corner. You've got to believe it. And if you do nothing else other than just believe that, you're going to be putting on armor that makes you resilient to burnout and is going to give you the energetic resources to bolster those energetic resources that you have in you to get what you need done. So better day ahead, believe it, and make yourself believe it.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate it had a lot of fun. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Woos.
2: Woos, thank you.
1: Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with David George, who, as I mentioned, is a purple belt from Jiri Jiu-Jitsu Academy. David is very passionate about the field of neuroscience. He is the CEO of Prologel, the host of two podcasts called Hero Science and Functional Challenge. I will post the link of my interview on the Hero Science Podcast at the BJJMentalCoachPodcast.com. Hopefully, you are able to grab at least one takeaway from the episode. Even though the title of the episode is Honor the Struggle, where he shares about the importance of emotional resilience during all the ups and downs of your entrepreneurial journey, my personal takeaway is what he said at the end of the interview about optimism. He mentioned that he interviewed Dr. Daniel Gehring, On his podcast, who is a professor of psychology and an expert in burnout, which is a massive problem in the world that is poorly understood, according to Dr. Gary. He said, the number one trait that consistently predicts emotional resilience to burnout is optimism, the belief that the best is yet to come. Let me ask you this. Have you ever dealt with a really difficult situation that your emotional resilience was tested? Most likely you did. Even though you consider yourself a positive and optimistic person, sometimes it feels like you just want to give up. And as I mentioned in previous final thoughts before, the negative voice that lives in your head may say things like, why are you even trying it's not going to work anyway? That is your dark passenger. Remember, the negative voice that lives in your head and it will be your roommate forever because negative thoughts and negative patterns don't disappear. You learn how to control them. And the starting point to control is the first pillar of emotional intelligence, which is self-awareness. Without self-awareness, you won't even realize if you're not being optimistic towards a specific situation at all. However, the self-awareness must be followed by the second pillar of emotional intelligence, which is self-regulation. Because you may have a high level of self-awareness and tell yourself, okay, I'm not being optimistic at all right now. I'm being very pessimistic. However, I'm not going to do anything about it. That's no bueno. Your self-regulation must also be there to help you to self-manage and self-regulate your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. With that in mind, I'd like to share with you three steps for you to take in consideration when you realize that you're being very pessimistic towards a specific situation. Here it goes. First step, take a deep breath. to calm yourself down. Take a few deep breaths. After that, second step. Stop to think about what you're thinking about. Use the self-awareness to realize that you have two roads to choose. The left road, which leads to reacting, being emotional, and oftentimes being irrational towards a specific situation, which most likely is going to hold you back or move you away from your goal. Or you can choose the right road where you're responding in an intellectual, rational, more effective and optimistic manner that is going to serve you and help you to achieve the success you desire. Let me share a quick analogy with you. Imagine you're driving your car with your best friend on a passenger seat and you start sharing with him or her about the BJJ Metal Coach podcast content and you say, yeah, Gustavo has been sharing great content self awareness, self regulation, it's great. Suddenly your friend says to you, "Hey, just to let you know, you're driving with your emergency brake on." And you reply to him or her, "Yeah, yeah, no problem." Anyway, did you know that optimism is the number 1 trait that consistently predicts emotional resilience to burnout? And your friend goes, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. If you release the brake, we'll be able to arrive faster without damaging the car and we'll be a lot more effective." And you conclude, nah, 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 nah it's okay. Should listen to the podcast though so it can raise your emotional maturity level. And who knows, maybe you can become more optimistic to things. The car is not going to break, okay? Okay, this is just a joke. However, you are now aware of the situation. So if you choose to keep driving to the left road with the emergency brake on after you became aware of it, that's on you. Now, number three. Now that you are aware of the left and the right road, The key word is self-forgiveness. Forgive yourself for choosing temporarily the left road and automatically self-regulate your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors to choose a more rational, effective, and optimistic route, believing that the best is yet to come. I would like to share with you one personal saying that I used in my competition career for years, and I still use in my personal and professional life as well. And I hope you can implement in your life so you can become even more optimistic so you can keep raising your emotional resilience level. If you have competed in Jiu-Jitsu multiple times before, who might be able to resonate with this message? Very often when people lose and or don't meet their expectations, people can end up being very hard on themselves. And prior to mental skills training and personal development, I have to admit I was really bad with that. If you haven't competed before, you get the idea. Situations in which you didn't accomplish the desired outcome in a relationship or in a business deal, and if you're not self-aware and present, oftentimes the dark passenger, the negative voice, can haunt you. After learning about self-awareness and self-regulation, I'll catch myself dwelling on something and I'll do my best to address the issue ASAP telling myself, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. After I won a tournament, I'll be happy and satisfied and as soon as I remember, I'll tell myself, I did well, great, however, the best is yet to come. My suggestion to you is do the same thing in all areas of your life. Be even more optimistic and believe that the best is yet to come. You may say, Gustavo, you're never satisfied. No, 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 no. Currently in my life, I'm in a state that the late motivational speaker Jim Rohn said, be ambitious and content. Be in a state that you're happy, satisfied, and optimistic that even more positive things will happen. So keep raising your emotional resilience level, becoming even more optimistic. So when life throws you a curveball in your direction, you will have the self-awareness and the self-regulation to choose the right road and to believe that the best is yet to come. Oh,